Welcome to Wilma's podcast. This is the podcast for anyone who wants to stay current on topics of interest in occupational and environmental medicine. Wilma is the Western Occupational and Environmental Medicine Association and a component of ACOM. We have designed these Wilma podcasts to be a tool and a benefit for Wilma members, as well as anyone interested in learning more about worker and environmental health. I am your host today, Dr. Alia Khan, and we're delighted to have you join us. The Wilma Education Committee members involved in planning this session and today's speaker have no relevant financial relationships to disclose. I'm your co-host today, Dr. Alia Khan, and we're delighted to have you join us. This podcast is being co-sponsored by the Justice, Equity, Diversity, and Inclusion JEDI Committee, and I am pleased to be co-hosting today's session with the chair of the JEDI Committee, Dr. Rupali Das. In this podcast, we will be talking to Dr. Chaik Dobeni to explore healthcare disparities and discuss his recently published editorial titled, Breaking Down the Web of Structural Racism in Medicine, Will Jedi Reign or Is It Mission Impossible? First, let me introduce my co-host, Dr. Rapali Das, co-chair of the Jedi Committee and Wilma President-elect. Welcome, Dr. Das. Thank you, Dr. Khan. Now it's my pleasure to introduce Dr. Daubeni. Dr. Chaik Daubeni is a practicing family doctor who is also trained in preventive medicine. He is a professor of family medicine at the Mayo Clinic College of Medicine and Science with a joint appointment in the Department of Internal Medicine. He serves as an enterprise leader for health equity at the Mayo Clinic and works to promote health justice, equity, diversity, and inclusion nationally. Dr. Davani serves on the U.S. Preventive Services Task Force, or USPSTF, the foremost guidelines-making body on clinical preventive services. He currently serves as the USPSTF Race and Racism Workgroup Chair to integrate health equity into guidelines. Dr. Davani will also serve as a panelist at our upcoming conference, Walk 2021, which will be held in Phoenix, in a session on diversity and disparities in occupational and environmental medicine. Welcome to our podcast, Dr. Dabani. We, we are honored to have the opportunity to speak with you today. Well, thank you very much, Rupert, for this opportunity to talk with you. I'm really delighted to be here. Great, so we'll get right into the questions. Your research is focused on the effectiveness of cancer screening with an emphasis on improving access to care and eliminating disparities in the burden of chronic disease, particularly in underserved communities. Can you start by telling us more about your background and work and what led you to this area of research? Well, again, thank you for having me. And I'm really pleased to talk about that. Uh, but before I start, I want to let listeners know that I'm not talking here on behalf of the US Preventive Services Tax Force. I'm a member, but I'm not talking on their behalf. And we're required to say so. So, um, you know, when I reflect back on what I've been doing over the years, um, one thing comes to mind very clearly. Why did I start this journey? And, and when I keep thinking back, what began for me was a quest to understand why outcomes across different races were different and what drove those differences in outcomes, what we describe as health disparities. And um, what I've learned over the years is that we actually know what to do to close those gaps, but we haven't done 
what needs to be done to close the gaps. And what also strikes me is that um, a lot of the patients that I saw back then when I was a doctor at a federally qualified health center were people who knew what they wanted, but as if there was a glass wall in front of them that prevented them from reaching it. And so my quest then was to understand how can we break down that glass wall to allow people to have the opportunity to have the best life and best health, irrespective of their social background, their economic background, language, and any other way you can think about. So let me tell you very briefly though, I completed residency at Duke and eventually went on to University of Massachusetts to do my preventive medicine residency. In between, I worked as a medical officer and medical director at a federally qualified health center. That is when this reality struck me square between the eyes. And I understood why there were so much differences across people and what we could potentially do. So that has been my quest to understand and to learn and to try and make a difference. That's a very inspiring story you really saw firsthand. And uh, it's clear that that's what inspires you. You recently published an editorial in the Mayo Clinic Proceedings titled Breaking Down the Web of Structural Racism in Medicine. Will Jedi reign or is it mission impossible? In this editorial, you make a strong argument for the link between racism and health inequities that have been worsened by COVID-19. Could you tell us what inspired you to write this very moving editorial? And then after that, what is your call to action for the medical establishment specifically? Yes, again, thank you. Um, you know, this was an editorial in response to two articles that were published in the same issue of the journal. And I have to tell you, so the editorial itself is, is a story about stories to give you context about those stories. But I think what was happening in our society at that point in time, personally and across the entire country or the world, clearly were things that were high on my mind. You know, there was the death of George Floyd. There were the inequities of COVID-19 that came to the fore. But I will tell you, around that time, the Journal of American Medical Association had published a podcast, and essentially we all know about it, and the caption read, no physician is racist. And as you heard about my background and what's motivated me to do what I'm doing now, I think it was difficult for me personally to take the context of that editorial. So for me, the question was that, we have an opportunity to take these things very seriously. Is that slipping away? Are we going to be able to take some of the steps needed to put in place the things and the processes and delivery mechanisms we needed to be able to provide adequate care and access to care and the best care possible for everybody? Are we willing to talk about the most difficult things that we need to talk about? Can we listen to each other? have empathy. The, the articles and, and my experience suggested that this is slipping away and I needed to share that context. And I know based on my work nationally that this is on the minds of everybody. And, and I think your question then is really important. What was the call to action? 
And as I think about this very deeply on a philosophical level, it's really about reconciliation. And I use two words in the editorial, empathy and respect, right? And empathy, because if we feel the pain of someone else as if it's our own, we can begin to understand how to relate. Respect, because if we respect each other, we tend to listen to each other. And I think those are important. And I will say to our listeners that we need to create spaces for people to be able to work. If you go back to the George Floyd uh, incident, what did he say? It cannot breathe. I can't breathe. And I think a lot of people feel that way. And the pain is felt across racial groups. It doesn't matter whether you're black, white, or any other color. So I think that pain is a shared pain that we all need to talk about and talk with each other. So across institutions, across works of life, we need to have that conversation and do it in a way that is safe for all of us to have it. I think to me, that is the most important thing. We talk about education, but as you know, and I listen to this now, we learn the things we learn from the very moment we're born. And that education has to start then. If only wait till people are professionals, maybe it's too late, maybe it's not. But I think we need to think about how we educate people through the course of their lifespan and a life course to know about how we as human beings work together. And I can talk about other things as well, but these are the first two things that come to my mind. We can talk about healthcare delivery, how we might address those things there. But these are things that come to mind as things that we need to do, creating a space for each of us to feel psychologically safe. And having those conversations are really important. Thank you. That that was an amazing um, response and it ties back, I think, to the answer to the first question, which is how you got motivated in the first place. It's, the need is still there. Um, and I really liked your response about starting early because what we learn we have in our bones it doesn't start in medical school or residency. Let's talk more about your call to action. Yes. You started with a few items. What do you see as the challenges in implementing these changes, the few that you described? And what do you recommend for others who are planning to make those changes within their own institutions and organizations? So again, we began by saying that we know what to do. And in many ways, do we have the will to do it? We've known what to do for centuries. And maybe I will start by talking about what I see as a fundamental challenge, which goes by the title of the editorial. You know, um, if you think about behavioral economics, one of the principles there is about whether you're giving an incentive to someone or you're taking something away. When you're talking about breaking down structural racism, at a very fundamental level, you're asking a group of people to give up control and resources. Imagine how threatening that might be. And yet, that is one of the ways to think about that you're actually sharing, not giving up. 
right? So I think that to me is one of the fundamental challenges to our ability to make progress. We are making progress, no doubt about it, right? We are making progress, but because it's so entrenched into every facet of uh, society, we tend to get in the habit of changing one thing, right? If only I just, you know, give you a navigator to get to your healthcare appointment, problem solved. No, it's not, right? If only I can help you get your medication when you're discharged from the hospital, problem solved. It is not. So it does need to have levers that are pulled in very many different ways, almost simultaneously or in a planned way for this to be successful, which requires multi-sector partnership. So one of the important ways that I see as really important for academic institutions and organizations, for them to serve as bridge organizations, meaning that they serve as platforms to bring partnerships together to work together. We're not gonna find this solution by working in silos. We have to be able to work together for to be successful. And the other thing for, to get there, actually, we have to acknowledge that it's a problem. You can't solve a problem if you deny that it, it exists, right? And that in, in addition to creating psychological safety is, is really important. But I will tell you one other thing. And in my research work and a paper I published years ago, and going back to the area of work that I do on colorectal cancer, uh, we, we did something that's very obvious. When you think about the Affordable Care Act and what is done or can do, it's phenomenal that we have that law in a land that provides access to care. But what we discovered is that it doesn't take care of some of the things that are needed to allow access to care. For instance, if you get a colonoscopy and a Medicare beneficiary and it finds a polyp, if you don't have supplemental insurance, then you are stuck with paying the copay if it finds a polyp, which is what you're trying to prevent in the first place. That goes back to the Balanced Budget Act. Why do I bring this up? It's not just about health systems. It's not just about we as individuals. There are lots of laws and policies that exist in this country that knowingly or unknowingly create barriers for people who have less means. And so which means that we as a society have to look at all of what we have put in place, the structures that were created to allow this to happen. So just simply asking individuals, institutions to do this isn't going to work. It's going to need for us to all look at what we're doing as a society. So I think it, it calls for all of us to come together to do this. It sounds monumental and impossible, but we can do it incrementally if we're committed to it. But I'll tell you this and to our listeners that what you do for someone else is always worthwhile because you're paying it forward. That's what it means for us to work together on anti-racism. That, that was a great response as well. Really, uh, I think gets to the heart of what equity is, not doing it for ourselves. We're doing it for society. And you really illustrated very well that it has to be a multi-sector, multi-dimensional approach. It's not an easy solution and it's gonna require a lot of hard work. Which leads me to my last question before we close. 
Are you hopeful that we can achieve Jedi in the near future? That is a very, very important question. I will tell you this. If we don't have hope, then why should we do anything? Right? So we have to have hope to drive what we do. All of us wake up very early in the morning, do what we do against adversities, against sometimes resistance. We get a lot of help along the way. Uh, but at the end of the day, is the hope that keeps us alive. I tell you what this sort of thing do, and that keeps me going. I celebrate every single small, tiny win, right? Because it's little ripples of hope, as Kennedy said, that leads to the fundamental change that brings down walls, right? So I celebrate little things. So any little progress, if I have a meeting with community partners and I feel like I've helped to be a partner in solving a problem or creating hope there, for me, that is success. So the bigger question is, can we really get there? You know, I think it's a slide it will take time to get to that promised land, but we can create pockets of that within our society, within our country. And those pockets start with all of us having that hope to work together. We're in a capitalist system, don't get me wrong. Capitalism by its nature creates inequities, but we don't need to make that so unevenly balanced that it creates systematic harm to a particular sector of our community. So I am hopeful. I want people to hope and use that hope as a driving force for us to work together. We can't do it alone as a single person, a single group. We'll all have to come together because to me, inequities, racism, are human rights issues. We have to see it that way. Yes, I, I totally agree with you on everything you said, especially the, the need to be hopeful. I think all of us who work on Jedi issues have that hope. And uh, I really like what you said about celebrating the small successes. And I'll say this last thing before we close, if time allows. And I, and I think, you know, this is also a personal thing, Rupert. Um, we make mistakes. We shouldn't beat up ourselves over mistakes. Let's celebrate small successes. Nobody in my mind has a perfect path on how we, we get there. Let's all learn from mistakes we make and keep learning and keep growing together. Again, thank you for having me. Thank you for that message of hope, which really reflects the way I think as well. Dr. Dovani, thank you again for sharing your thoughts and your time, uh, speaking some hard truths and for your call to action today as complex as it, as it is. And we look forward to seeing you again in person soon at our conference in Phoenix. Thank, thank you. you for having me. On behalf of the WOMA Education Committee, the WOMA Board of Directors, and myself, I want to sincerely thank our speaker, Dr. Chaik Dobeni, and co-host Dr. Rupali Das, and also thank those of you who listened. A link to Dr. Dobeni's article will be placed on the WOMA website. Remember, Dr. Dobeni will also be speaking at our upcoming Western Occupational Health Conference in Phoenix, Arizona, which is being held from September 29th to October 2nd. 
We want to thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, we would like to invite you to explore more of our episodes. You can find our library of podcasts on the WOMA website, www.woema.org, and we encourage you to subscribe to our podcast channel at your favorite site for podcast listening. You'll be notified as new episodes become available. Topics could include the latest clinical update, emerging treatments in medicine, or topics in public and environmental health. Stay tuned and don't miss out. Until next time, be well.